everybody, and welcome back to the CNO Podcast, Episode 7. Today, we got no Owen, but uh, we still got Kian. So how are we doing today, Kian? Uh, not too bad. You know, got my vaccine yesterday, so feeling a little bit under the weather, but doing pretty good other than that. Yeah, that's good. It's another steamy week in Winnipeg. Uh, nice hot weather, which is good. And uh, one of our friends who are we, all, we are welcoming on to the show, Caden Onegi. He just got back from the States a couple of weeks ago, and he's just about to finish his quarantine. How are you doing? Good. How's it going, guys? Pretty excited to be on here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're we're going to kick it off right away. Um, just the first question here. When I played hockey with you, uh, you used to watch pump up hockey and lacrosse videos in the dressing room. Was that a way of envisioning what you were going to do on the ice, or was that just a way that you stayed focused? Uh, yeah, that was another reason why I got the bubble because, you know, a lot of the college guys wear it and I thought it was pretty sick. So got that, but yeah, like when you're just in the zone and you're, you're watching what they're doing, it's just like when you're at home as a kid, when you're watching and you just go play mini sticks and you envision it, it's almost the same thing. Um, I just would watch it and be like, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that on the ice. And then kind of cor- correlated to what I did out there. So yeah, that was definitely something I did. Um, scoring two goals in the finals against Garden City and then watching Aussie score the game winner. Uh, what emotions were going through? Like you, you guys said, I know Goodles on that team, but like having to battle back the whole game down and then finally be able to win that game. Well, it all started in the, in the second game when we were up all the, the whole game and they came back and won it to make it a, a final game there. But I, well, I scored two goals and then we were tied and then Zach Greenwood hits out of midair and scores to tie it and they disallowed it that was pretty heartbreaking um at that moment I was like oh shit man like I don't think we can uh, there's no way we can score another goal and then when Osterman obviously sniped one with I don't know how many seconds left 10 20 I'm not quite sure it was like a sign of relief and it was like wow like we actually got this in the bag because there's no way they're coming back after that and uh the emotions I was on the bench when that happened and I was like I think Gouldy, I think I hugged Gouldy a little bit. I'm not quite sure. I was hugging yeah. everyone. But um, I, I, think... I think that you had just gotten off the ice. Yeah. And I... so I, I was kind of dividing the bench with Dunner and Maddie, and from the forwards and the defensemen. And then you came up and gave me a hug. It was just like, like I was giving everyone a hug. Like I just knew we had it. And I was like, this is just it. And then uh, I was fortunate enough to be out there for the last couple of seconds so I could throw my gloves up in the air and. Yeah, that was, that was pretty amazing. Pretty great experience. All right. Speaking of winning, you've won at pretty much every level um, and every year that you've played. What does it take to play on a championship team in any sport? Mm, I would say discipline. I know that I know that the, uh, that year before um, we had some guys, not going to name names, but, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, weren't all in it to win it, I, I believe. They were um, more selfish and, you know, took bad penalties. Um, you know, we had a hands down more talent on that team than we did the second year. And the second year was a bit different. We had more discipline. I think that's what makes a great team great. You can see in the NHL, obviously, you know, not the most talented teams will make it through. It's the most disciplined and hardworking. So I think I think that what makes a great hockey team or any team in general. Uh, in grade 12, I believe you had uh, surgery on your shoulder. Uh, what kind of recovery did you have to go through in order to get, you know, back into hockey and lacrosse shape? It was, it was up and down because, um, you know, I, I was about like a, I think my doctor said like six month recovery. And, you know, I was going to miss most of the season. I said, no way I'm going to come back. So, um, 
Uh, we were, uh, we had kind of connections with the team with, um, uh, maybe, well, maybe Gouli knows a place, but it was that workout place where it was, was meant to. And um, I got physio and all that stuff there. And it was every day in the morning that I went. And I fortunately, um, kid from uh, the team before had a same injury and had a brace. So I got the brace from him and was fortunate enough to come back in three months, which is uh, definitely don't don't try that at home um you know there were some complications there some games where I got hit and I thought maybe I was out for the season um but you know it was my last it was my senior year and definitely didn't want to miss any games but yeah the process was pretty up and down there was times where you know the trainer said that I was good to go and then I would do I would do one of the drills that he wanted me to do and I couldn't finish it and it bummed me back another week so um the emotions were up and up and down but Eventually, I eventually I got on the team and was fortunate enough to win the championship. So, and then you back, you got five goals. Yeah, I was uh, gonna it say was, it was the second game. The first oh, game, you know, um, I'm gonna blame it on the black cage. You know, I had a broken <laughs> broken bubble, and I had to wear black cage. But no, like, um, hockey is different than any sport where, you know, you can practice every day, but w- like when you're in a game, it's completely different. Like I was on the ice, I was training every day. And my, that first game, I was gassed for a shift. And I had no legs underneath me. And that's just, like, something, like, hockey players just, like, know is that, like, when you're in a game, it's completely different than a practice or whatever, training off the ice. Like, you really have to play a couple of games to get your feet under you. But, yeah, scoring the five goals, um, the second game back was pretty amazing. Um you know, it wasn't the strongest the team. So, um, I mean, yeah, I, I did have the bubble that game. So I always I always blamed the cage, but I think it was definitely like the first game I had to get the rust rust off. And then second game, I kind of came out and showed what I, what I could do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in hockey and lacrosse, you have an impressive scoring touch. What do you attribute that to? Like, is it something that you always did like when you were younger or is it something that you developed as you got older? I think it's a little bit of both. Like when I was younger, you know, you always, you know, I've like, I kind of wanted to be a goalie when I was younger and my dad told me, no, like goal, goal scoring is the top dog. Right. So, um, I, and I always wanted to score and, um, that's something that, um, I think you're born with, but can also, you know, like work on it as well. So, you know, um, I think that I have um, some talent within me that can score a lot of goals, but it was also, you know, off the ice. I know I had, like, my dad got me a net in the basement with some shooter tutors and stuff like that, and I'm, and we were doing, like, challenges, so I think that helped a little bit with my scoring, but I think it was just, just a feeling you get when you score and everyone is, you know, like, happy for you and you're happy that you can contribute to the team that kind of drove me to be kind of a scorer and wanting wanting to score uh how old were you when you realized like okay i'm really good at hockey and lacrosse that you could eventually maybe make a career out of it one day or you know go college route or something um yeah hockey and lacrosse was a little bit different i mean like hockey i think it was um maybe like seven and eight when i was doing like i was age advancing and i was doing pretty well up there as well um i thought maybe that i could go somewhere with that um I, but for lacrosse, um, it was only till I think high school when I went to my first showcase in front of college coaches and 
literally like the next day I got probably like 30 college coaches emailing me and I was like wow like maybe I'm actually good and like because like college is like a different level in the states and when they think that you're good you're probably pretty good so um I think once I got the first college email I was like wow like I think that I can actually like do something with this uh who are your heroes in hockey and lacrosse and what makes them such good role models hockey um I don't know, it kind of switched up. Like when I was younger, when Crosby first came in the league, I know everyone thought he was just unbelievable. He's that one guy, like a Conor McDavid, where he only comes in every 10 years or every decade or, or whatnot. And um, I think when I was younger, it was definitely Crosby. Um, I definitely like Stamkos as well. Um, I like Tavares, you know, he, his dad and his family is a big lacrosse family as well. And he used to play when he was younger. So I kind of like looked up to him as well as the, double athlete um and for lacrosse it was always tolerable and it was always that one guy that um that everyone enjoyed watching and he had the hardest shot and you know he was he was uh drafted first overall in the in the uh, nll and then the mll so both leagues the indoor and the outdoor so um and he's doing like big things now he's making he made his own league and so i think i look up to him and uh just like how he can uh, contribute in the business side of things and also like he plays in the league that he created so I thought that was pretty cool um what's the process like you know being in contact from university and colleges for lacrosse and was Hartford the best fit for you yeah um you know there's there's times where you know it was too good to be true with some colleges like um they would promise you a lot of things and then um and then when you look back on it you're like wow I think I made a better decision at a different school um, cause some, some colleges are worried about, you know, you coming in and making an impact, but not so much on the academic side, um, which was pretty important with me and also my family. So, um, you know, you know, Hartford is a place where, you know, kids can come in and develop, uh, not only like athletically, but in the classroom as well. Um, and then you can also transfer, like our team had like over a dozen guys that go D1 and, probably over like 30 or 40 guys that go and play NCAA right after. So um, I think that when my family sat down and saw the opportunity at Hartford and, you know, we also meet with a lot of coaches and uh, he was definitely uh, coach Filardi. He was definitely um, one of the guys that my parents definitely liked and I liked as well. So um, I think it was the right fit for me and uh, I'm probably going to go back next year. So that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Like speaking of, you know, these schools, what would be your dream school to go to and, and what makes it your dream to go there? Um, you know, University of Albany. I know that uh, Lyle Thompson and the Tom or the Thompson brothers, um, uh, they, they, they went there because um, they wanted to change how lacrosse was played and they didn't want to go to the, to the big schools like Ohio State, Syracuse and, you know, all those um, top end schools because um, lacrosse became more of like a robotic type play where you do a certain thing and you have to do it right, where these three brothers are like a flow play and pretty creative doing like behind the backs and flip passes, something that is natural to them, but isn't natural to everyone. And it got them pretty far. And um, the coaches at Albany definitely um, provide that type of um, support in that way so if I went there like my style is more flow play just like theirs so um I know that some coaches you know if you throw behind the back pass or 
whatever, a flip pass, they will lose their mind and you'll be benched. But um, if you go to Albany, you know, it's definitely supported. And um, I think that would be my, my dream school right now. Well, and even with, with flow play, you were like that on the ice too, trying new stuff all the time. Sometimes he'd come in and do try to do spinoramas with the toe on top of the puck when we were playing like Sanford or Calvin. Just yeah. to try and just start point night. Is off, well, but it, it, it was always fun to watch that. Like it is point night, but it's also like um, it's high school, right? So, and it's, yeah. it's also a sport and a game and you're with all your friends. Like when you get too caught up in winning and, you know, that robotic style, you're just not having fun. And I feel, I feel like the to- like the times when your teams are, you know, having like so much fun together, you're more you're more successful than you guys, you know, being robotic and being like stressed out. And you know, if you don't do anything right, you guys are mad at each other or whatnot. So I think that um, putting like a flow play into anything is pretty um, pretty amazing for your team. And that that was the one thing that I noticed about. Uh, game three like the the game that we won is we showed up and we we just felt more like relaxed almost yeah and then game two we just we we were more tight that game and and we didn't really focus on on what was going to go wrong we just focused on what was going to be right that day right not losing like the first game we blew them out right like it was wasn't even close and then the second game you know i think we're like shit like we can win it right here like don't don't fuck up right like don't don't do anything and then when we lost we're like well you know like we lost so then the next game we're like we came in we're just like okay like there's no no team can beat us two in a row all year no one has done that so it's like we kind of just like played fluidly i know that we had a rough like couple periods and i know that yui threw his helmet there but um (laughs) Uh, but after that, I think like we kind of relaxed and what was a five three win like in a playoff game. That's in my books a blowout. So yeah, it was. We definitely won. I, I think the right way, and, and we won with our style too. We didn't try to switch up our style on them, and we, yeah. we ended up we ended up burning them at the end. So that was a lot of fun. Have any D one offered like colleges offered you anything? I know you said you think of going back to Hartford, but has anyone you know? contacted you after your monster year this year yeah i got uh some top d2 schools um full full rides and um i have one d1 offer um you know it's it's a lower end school in new york but um i think that if i go an extra year where i can develop my my new position which is attack i was playing midi and i got switched during the season um and just kind of like dial that that um position in i feel like i could go to um some top division one schools i know that i know that a lot of top division one schools were interested in me but also wanted me to go back and develop a little bit um because you know it was a crazy year with covid where we only had like 10 games so it was really it was really tough for me to you know i played two games midi so that's what seven games or eight games um just playing at attack so um yeah. Are you still taking draws? Because I know in high school you you probably won almost every draw I watched in lacrosse. Uh no, I actually brought my faceoff sticks there, but we had uh we had three or four guys that came in for faceoffs, and um you know like I'm more of an offensive guy, and I took draws because we needed to, and not yeah. because I wanted to, right? So, um I think that uh, when you go to the college level, uh, there's like specific guys for specific positions that just like really more roles good. almost exactly so it's like 
it's not that like they needed a guy but mm-hmm. it was like if say like all of them got hurt which they didn't i would I, I would be there to help out but in that case uh where no one got injured i just uh played my position so yeah and as keen was mentioning earlier you had a very good year and you were named an all-american so what was something that you focused on prior to arriving in hartford that helped uh push you to the next level um i I don't think it was anything before I went there um, because uh, I was working everything to be a midfield. And uh, when I got there, I played two games, like I said, and uh, they, they kind of switched me up to attack. So I think it was um, it was more about how our team practices. Like it's pretty, like if you watch our practices, they're pretty intense. Like it's all game situation and it's pretty, like there's chirping going on. Like the defense hate the offense, the offense hate the defense. We're chirping back and forth. Like there were some fights sometimes. And I think it was just that competitive level where every day you have to come out and compete that kind of got me to that, uh, to that All-American. So um, I don't think, I don't think it was anything that uh, I did before uh, coming there. I think it was uh, throughout the season. All right. And uh, another thing is, you know, what was it like to live out every kid's dream of scoring an overtime series winner and following it up with a Patty Kane heartbreaker celebration? Um, you know, that's just something, uh, something that every kid dreams of is, uh, you know, uh, college or even, you know, NHL is a rival team that you guys hate and, um, you know, beat you the year prior to that. And um, where they, they definitely single you out in the fans and as players, you know, me and Osterman, they were definitely, you know, going at us a little bit. So it was, uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty amazing to uh, score that overtime winner and kind of just rub it in their face a little bit that they got kicked out. Um, yeah, it was just something that I'll definitely remember for the rest of my life. That, that wasn't the same game of the brawl, was it? No, yeah. that was the game before, I think. No, we got we got in the brawl that game too, and that's when you when you swung your stick on the bench. Oh yeah, <laughs> honestly, I should have been suspended for life if we're being real. Like put in jail I for that. the guy in the head, in front of the ref. Yeah. So basically, for those of you, well, most of you wouldn't know this. Yeah. Uh, we were in a playoff game, and it was an elimination game, and we were playing in our barn, and there was a line was ball packed. that happened. Yeah, it was packed, and. Yeah. There was a line brawl that happened right in front of our bench. And Caden and I were kind of standing on the bench. And so was Blake Duncalf. And he was like sucker punching guys on the ice, but while standing on the bench. And then I look right beside me and I see the stick go right past my face. Boom, Tom this guy in the head and the ref yeah. standing right there. And he kind of just like looks at Caden and Caden just kind of like looks away or whatever. And I think that they were so caught up with what was going on yeah. on the ice that they just forgot about you. Well, like, so what happened was, I forget, maybe, I don't know who it was. It was like Sawchuck or someone. Someone crushed one of their players into our bench. Is it Sawchuck or Sykes? I don't know. But then that player that got hit in our bench punched Zach Greenwood <laughs> into our bench. Not, like, not even the guy that hit him. So then the whole bench ball comes in. Zach's in front of me. Jalen's in front of me. And the one guy's got Jalen's cage and, like, can't defend himself. So I'm like, I can't even reach the guy because Jalen's a big boy and I can't go over him. So I'm like, well, my stick's like five feet tall, right? <laughs> go over top of him. And I just whack him, like hit him right in the back of the neck. And the ref was standing right there, saw everything. He saw everything. Because his eyes the hit went wide open. He didn't even know what even happened. <laughs> the guy that I hit, let go of Jalen, was pl- complaining to the ref. And then Jalen, I think, sucker punched him when he was when he let go. But 
Um, and then I went out the next shift. Well, and then another guy was uh, Noah Funk. He also tore his labrum earlier on. So he was playing or he was kind of sitting off a little bit because I, I think he kind of like what you said, where sometimes you get hit and you might think that your season's over. Yeah. He's kind, of, he kind of just taking a little seat. And yep. he saw something was happening and he got up and he went for a Superman punch and I tackled him on the bench. And oh, he was punching, punching me in the face. He was punching me in the face. And he was like, cool, I swear to God, if you don't get off me right now, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, no, man, like you're going to kill somebody and you're going to tear your shoulder. Like just stay on the ground here. Man, like but, our, our oh, team gosh. is like, we're like brothers, man. Like, you know, you could be, have a broken leg on the bench and if something goes down, you're, you're right in it, you know? Like we had each other's back through the whole year. And I mean, that was kind of, kind of showed it right there. Um, but yeah, like that was, that was something I'll definitely remember for the rest of my life because uh, everyone talks about it once in a while. So another memory from that year is uh, what, uh, what was your part in the late night um, Eve to the finals in Brandon? What, what did you take part in the uh, bucket wars? What, what was your role there? <laughs> oh, huge huge that was was 90% me um I initially had that that idea and um I know that slide chuck helped a little bit um (laughs) we had the little buckets at first and then we found the big ones and that's when (laughs) the pool risky um then we decided to double the big ones and we flooded someone's room I don't know who but I remember it was flooded I'm going to assume Dunners. No. One thing that I do remember from that is that everybody was frantically trying to clean it up with towels. So we had to go out to the pool. There wasn't enough. So we went to the workout room. We yeah. got towels. There wasn't enough. So we were going to the front desk getting towels. So there was, was a, like a million towels. It was all and in then, slow motion. Like when those buckets, <laughs> it was so heavy. It was just slow motion. And like, you don't realize how much water that is until it comes down. Cause we're like, Oh, like it doesn't look that much. But when it's in your room and it's flooded the whole room, you're like, oh, shit. So everyone was like, we're going to get into so much shit. So we all we were all helping. So. Did, did an angle or someone walk in and to a bathroom? There's a mountain of towels. <laughs> no, that, that was Metcalf. He walked Metcalf. in flip-flops and his feet were soaking in water. And he like looked. All of us were in the same room. It was like right before breakfast. Yeah, it and was so ridiculous. Like, right after breakfast. Couldn't be mad. You know what I mean? It was so ridiculous. He just could not be mad. He just started laughing. And then just like, I don't know. And we also almost got into a fight that day too with, with a team that wasn't even in our division that was at the hotel. Oh, fuck. Do you remember that? Yeah, what, what, what was the name? Like, the Mustangs they, or something? They, they were in like the D side pool. Wasn't it Garden Valley, you guys said? I don't know. We were like in that. the hot tub just chilling and they're in the balcony giving us the finger. <laughs> 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 and we're like, you're not even in our division. You're in the division below. And then we're like, okay, come down and fight. Come down and fight. And then, you know, they kind of came down and, like, we're just, like, looking around the corner and whatnot. And then our coach got mad at us, told us to get inside and stuff because we had a big game the next day. I remember that Hattie was spazzing out. He wanted no part of it. I was <laughs> like, me and Sawchuk were like, like, let's go. Hattie was like, no, we can't get in a fight. We play tomorrow. And I was like, come on, man. Like, like you, you can't leave us hanging out here. We're like, all screaming. Oh. Yeah. Let's right now. Come down here right now. We're just yelling. Right now. 
I can't even believe that I forgot about that. We were all just chilling in the in the pool in the hot tub and just like sitting around. I was eating I was eating um cinnamon toast crunch in the hot tub. I remember that? And, and people were yelling at me. This guy was like, was like, uh, what the fuck are you eating out of a cup? I was like, CT crunch, you bitch. And then everybody was trying to fight. Didn't just, one of them knock on Metcalf's room or something? Yeah. I think it was like Angle's room or Wadi's room or something like that. <laughs> he lost it. Do you remember when he lost it? Yeah. Oh my god, that was funny. I love when coaches just get absolutely so mad and like you have no part in doing anything. Like I, I there was like a um, and then we had a freaking uh, was a like a room, a room like whatever, like one of the coaches go in each room and check check on you, like room checks because of that happened like i just remember that he opens it there's like 20 of us in my room watching netflix wasn't it rupaul for yeah. some RuPaul angle, angle stayed yeah. yeah angle stayed oh my god that was so funny those are some great times man well and another fight that you almost forgot about is that we played kelvin that day and there were like a lot of like kind of brawls in that game mm-hmm. and then after the game they were DMing us on Instagram and asking what hotel we were on because they wanted to pull up and fight us. That was the same day. Of course, yeah. of course it was Calvin. They were yeah. macing us and stuff, and we we're like, buddy, like we just <laughs> like don't like don't even come near us, man. It was probably like who who got in the fight with uh, Jalen? Was it like Brock Gates? Maybe it was like Gates or that guy's a maniac. I, I just remember got asleep because I scored up because that goalie, I remember he was chirping us all game. Yeah. I sniped one and I was freaking just chirping at him. I was like, yeah, you bitch. And then he like came out and started fighting us and we we're all in the corner just fighting. And I got a penalty. Metcalf wasn't too happy about that. but you know. that, that tournament was so funny because we, we didn't even play our style like the whole tournament. We were literally just trying to bully everybody and we bullied our way to, the, to like a win. And yeah. we, I think we outshot St. Paul's B like like sixty to four in the finals, and Jesus. we won like five nothing or something like that. Well, I wanted to knock him. Like I dangled through the whole team, and I did like a wrap around one hander. I was like, Jesus, like these guys are. How ass. did I do that? <laughs> like it was like a two one game, and like want like win, and then we go and play the A team, and we actually just destroy them. And yeah. just who's better, the B team or the A team? Like I don't know. Didn't you also get another fight in provincials that year too? Yeah, that's when I got kicked out. So, well, it wasn't really a fight. Like, I like I hit the guy or whatever, and I'm trying to skate away, and he like choke holding me. He started punching me like this, and I was just like, I was like looking at the ref because I didn't I didn't want to get kicked out, right? Like, yeah, I'm looking at the refs, and the refs are just standing there like they were like waiting to fight. So I'm like, okay, well I'm not gonna just soak 600 punches. So I literally <laughs> my I threw him against the glass, his head hit the glass, and then he just, like, held on for me for dear life because I might have, like, knocked him out a little bit from that. <laughs> and then I gave him a couple punches, and then the rest kicked us out. And then I'm pretty sure I got suspended, and then that other kid didn't. Pretty sure that guy That's played bullshit. And then we were we had it all in GoPro, and we were trying to, like, make an appeal, and they just wouldn't even look at the film, which is bullshit. But that is. And that team was so bad, too. That was the problem. We were up by like a million. I remember we got scored on the in the first minute, and we were like, we were like, is this a joke? And that kept yelling at us. Yeah, he was like, he was like, wake up. You only were you guys losing time. like going into the first intermission? Oh yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I had like three or something, three goals and like two assists or something in the second 
period. And then like, and then I think it was like end of the second or beginning of the third when that fight happened. Like looking back, like so stupid. Like I shouldn't have done that, but it's also like you, the rest got to like protect the players as well. Like they were just standing there and it was all in film. And I was just like, that's just bullshit. And then I get suspended and the other guy doesn't because I hurt the other guy. Like, come on. Like, let's be real. Yeah, for sure. Well, I remember when, when we were in Brandon also, we played Garden City in the quarterfinals. And yeah. we were down 2-1 after 2. And then their best player, Alex Lashavio, or whatever his name is, yep. he took like a 4 and a 10. Because if you got a 4-minute head contact, you automatically got a 10. And so he was sitting in the box. And we scored like two goals on the power play. And we were up 7-2 by the time he got out of the box. <laughs> and he was just like Holy so shit. Yeah, we, we went off. We had like six goals in 10 minutes. Yeah, like it was actually ridiculous. Like we'd, we'd like set up and then we'd take one shot and it was in. And it was just like everything was going right for us that game. It was like you could literally just shoot it from the corner and probably go in to be honest. Like the goalie was rattled and it was just like it was a fun game. I even scored that game. That's how you know that it was easy to score. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, they they didn't have the best game. That goalie was pretty rattled, so you could play as much score wherever you you'd like. Well, you know, Caden, we'd like to thank you for for uh, coming on, and we'd love to get you on again for sure. Maybe an update about next season. Yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thanks, thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thank you. We'd like to thank Caden for joining us. That was awesome. Some great stories that that were told from when him and I played together and from him playing over in in the States with lacrosse. And it was awesome to hear. Yeah, he he was a great guest. But, uh, you know, there were some things that happened in the NHL. Uh, Most recently, the New York Islanders last night advanced to game seven against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They played lights out. They deserved to win that game for sure. Yeah, Uh, I thought that once Tampa got up to nothing that they – I didn't think that Vasilevsky could give up more than two, but you know, the Islanders just showed their resiliency and they showed why they've been here the past two years. And as much as I hate the Islanders, you got to appreciate how well they're playing night in and night out. Yeah, for sure. Like the Everly goal, I don't think it was that weak of a goal, honestly. Like, yeah, it was a back end from the slot, but if you look at it from, they showed an angle from behind the net. Savard was kind of blatantly screening at him. So yeah, just Islanders, they kind of play boring hockey, kind of not really, but they've showed resilience to come back in Mayfield. I, fu- I fucking hate Mayfield, but wow, is he makes a pre- presence out there for sure. You know, cross-checking Kucherov to get him, you know, out the game. Stamkos, he cross-checked, uh, I think it was at the end of the second. And then the absolute snipe he had, like, just making making a name for himself in this series, and it's really showing. Yeah, he plays he plays hockey very hard, right, obviously. That, that's the way that he's making his money in the NHL. He's a he's a defensive defenseman that plays on the edge. And I mean, he didn't get called. So I guess that that's playing along the edge, right? So obviously, you know, the Kucherov cross-check looked more like a push in, mm-hmm. uh, in real time. But when they slowed it down, I was like, ah, like that could have been called, I guess. Yeah. But it's like the problem is that, you know, those cross-checks are – are uh, fine when they're in open ice, but if you do it to a guy along the boards, you're getting a penalty. It's kind of it's kind of tough. Like the players don't even know what's a penalty and what's not a penalty anymore, and and it's hard in the NHL because the refing's been getting even worse from last week when we were talking about it, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, which I, I didn't think was possible. <laughs> no, and uh, 
the other series, as we are talking right now, Montreal is playing Vegas and Shea Weber just scored to make it one nothing. No but, way. I mean, I, I think Montreal is taking it home tonight. They're uh, Me too. <laughs> the, Vegas can't get anything going. Mark Stone, I love him. He's a headingly guy, but he's playing like a bum. I mean, like that turnover that he had last game was, was just, I don't even know, but that turnover that he had that led to the Caulfield goal was like such an ECHL goal. Like, like his turnover, like you're, I'm pretty sure they were on the kill even. They, they might've been on the killer. They might've been four on four and he turned it over at the other team's blue line. And, and then he didn't back check and get his guy. So I was, that was kind of, uh, but I mean, I, I haven't watched much of this game because, or much of this series other than last game, because I've just been, you know, busy on the nights that they play, but I mean, good on Montreal. They're, they're beating a team that I picked to go this far. Right. So, I mean, they're, they're showing their resiliency kind of like the Islanders. I pray to God that it's not the Islanders and the Habs in the final though. No, me neither. Like, yeah, you basically covered every point of that series and the, the roughing just has been so dog shit. Like last game, it was better, or at least from the first period that I saw. But other than that, the refing has just been so dog shit. So it's it kind of been unwatchable with this refing. Well, the refing reminds me a lot of the game that I took my infamous misconduct in in a tournament. I, I don't know Three if that was classic. Should, should I tell that story right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, Kian and I this past year and Owen, we played – actually, we all played on the same line for the majority of the year. See, no line. Our, that's where it started. Oh, yeah. On our high school team. So this was the year after I played with Caden. So kind of some other context. When I played with Caden, we won the city championship and we lost the provincial final. So our team was like a top Wagon. two team in the province, right? And then I think we had 11 or 12 guys graduate or choose to go play, you know, junior or something like that. So we had a complete like roster change, which happens every year. That's right? how and I made was, the team. <laughs> You, you were close the year before, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was. I wish I would have made that team that year, but hey, still won the city champion in double A. Yeah, so we were, we had a complete roster change. We had a young team, which I, I kind of took pride in, you know, like teaching the younger guys kind of how, how to do it or whatever. And I was the captain of the team, so it, it kind of made it a little bit more surprising when I chose to do this. So we were playing a team, Selkirk, in a game, and it was – in the third period, I believe, and we were only down one nothing. We were getting outshot by a million, but that's because we were getting outcalled like fifteen to two. On oh, it was it was ridiculous. ridiculous. What's it the ref's name that we had? Oh, he's oh such God. a clown. Jay Rich. Jay, Jay Rich. Rich. He's such or, a clown. Something. So I was going in. I was back checking, and a guy on their team had dumped it in, and he hit one of our grade nine players from behind, uh, D- Dustin Morton. He hit him from behind and there was no call. And Braden Mecha came over and cross-checked the guy in the head. And then he fell to the ice and Braden was getting a penalty. So I was I was chirping at the ref. I was like, you fucking cunt. Like, you fucking bitch. I can't even believe you fucking called that. Um, get the first one, blah, blah, blah. You're losing the integrity of the game. Boom. I got teed up for, a, uh, for an unsportsmanlike conduct. And this was my first penalty that I took all year. And the linesman is taking me to the box. And I'm skating backwards still. I'm chirping at this ref. So then I flip my stick over so that my knob is on the ice. I put my hands over my eyes and I start tapping the ice, doing the three blind mice. And I'm taking steps as I'm going backwards. Boom, 10 minute misconduct. So I'm like, fuck, 
fucking rights. Like, I don't even care at this point. Deserved. So everybody's laughing at me. I remember I skated past their bench. They're like, you fucking goof, whatever, right? And then I get into the box and everybody on our bench is just laughing. They're howling at me. They couldn't even believe that I just did this. So then I slam the gate and I break my stick on the glass. I didn't even try to break it. I literally hit it once on the glass to get the ref's attention. Boom, breaks in half. He looks back, tweet, that's it. Boom, another one. So I'm like, so I'm getting kicked out. And now I have no stick. I have no stick. And one of my teammates goes to roll me my water bottle, breaks the caps. Now I don't have a water bottle. I don't have a stick. And so, yeah, hit the showers. I took a shower. I'm like sitting. I like come back out. There's like two minutes left. And then we come back in and our coach was like, well, you know, uh, we wanted to make a a momentum change in that game. And I didn't really expect that to be the way that we wanted to do it. But (laughs) I... I was, I kind of lost my cool there. I think that's the only time that I think Kian could say that I lost my cool on the ice that badly. Like I've obviously done things like off the ice in the room and stuff like that, but I've never completely lost it on the ice. When, when Dunner called you a terrible human being because you, because you were yelling at us like, Oh, who are we playing CJS? We took a, we took a trillion penalties that game too. Going, and, going back to what Katie said, discipline. We had no discipline. We took a million penalties. We were always on the We field. had a guy who had almost 100 penalty minutes in a year. You think we're yeah, disciplined? We, yeah, so we played 24 games in a year, and he had 100 penalty minutes, I think. So uh, it was like, I think it was 90. I don't think he quite hit 100. Yeah, but still, that's bad. That is terrible. We had, we had, we had four guys that had over 70 penalty minutes, I think. But we were getting blown out, and I came into the room. And I was basically just like, enough with these fucking penalties. Like I had had enough, kind of. And then I broke. Because we stick. would get, we would barely get any playing time from that. Because you know, third well, line yeah. plugs, fourth line. Well, I guess. I'm also just not a PK guy. So no, me neither. So I like broke my stick on the wall or something like that. And then I sat down and I broke it over my knee. And I was sitting beside Blake Duncalf, and he stood up. And he was like, you know what? I've had enough. You're a fucking terrible influence. You're a terrible person. And I looked at him and I was just like, what? And then he walked into the washroom and everybody looked at me and they were kind of like, what did he say? <laughs> like, but I mean, that that's just kind of like one of those things that this all stems from refs. But I mean, especially in high school, these guys are just trying to do their job. They're all like 60 years old and I'm spazzing out on them on probably like a Saturday morning. Uh, in like yeah, a tournament. I think, yeah, I think it was a morning game or like 11 a.m. game. I'm sure that's how some, especially our friend Warga, massive Montreal fan. I'm sure that's how he feels. He feels like doing the three blind mice or breaking a stick or something right now when he's watching these games. Best thing of high school is whenever we would go on the ice and um, oh, who is in charge of music? They play the John Cena theme and then Warga would yeah. do, do the John Cena special. So always a good time Wiley. to see. Yeah, it was, it was Wiley. That's right. And uh, who let the dogs out going out for warm up too? That was so sick. That was Chad. But anyways, before we take up uh, too much of your guys' time, we'd like to thank you guys for listening once again. And uh, you know it's been fun. Next week we'll hopefully have Owen back. Um, He's recovering from his COVID nineteen vaccine right now. Uh, The second dose hit him pretty hard, but it's good to see you know Manitoba's opening up again. Uh, Everybody's pretty much getting their second doses and. Uh, everything's looking up here in Manitoba and 
you know, CNO is going to be hitting the United States in August this year as well. So we're or looking forward C- to that. CNN, not O. Yeah, no O. Yeah, C- CN. Yeah, o-, o won't be coming with us. But anyways, see you guys next time.